0: Hello, I'm Derek S. McGrath, my pronouns are he, him, his. I'm recording this on Tuesday, August 8, 2023, and on Wednesday, August 9th, 2023, I will be recording another audio commentary as I continue going through Season 5 of Boongo Stray Dogs. Last time we looked at Season 5, Episode 4 of Boongo Stray Dogs, Episode 54 overall, titled Hero War, Gain War. Today we are done with this hero nonsense, because Fukuchi is no hero, as we get into audio commentary on Season 5, Episode 5, Episode 55 overall, titled, At the Port Way to the Sky. This audio commentary is released Wednesday night after the premiere of the episode and is available for all patrons at the $5 tier at patreon.com slash Derek S. McGrath. And then this commentary will be public and free by Sunday night to watch on YouTube or listen via the podcast RSS link in the description. By the way, now available on Patreon, Substack, and wherever you get your podcasts is my reaction to Bungo Stray Dogs Chapter 109, which came out in between Episodes 4 and 5, you can listen or read my remarks on Patreon, Substack, and wherever you get your podcasts. And speaking of which, today's audio commentary has a spoiler warning for all of Bungo Stray Dogs, and I do mean all of it, up to that newest chapter, chapter 109 of the Boongo Stray Dogs manga, as well as the films, stage plays, light novels, and audio dramas. There are also timestamps in the description to skip ahead to different parts of this commentary. In this audio commentary, I will talk about the episode trailer, then which chapters I think will be adapted. We'll get into the audio commentary. And at the end, I'll share my post-episode reactions and any additional thoughts and news about all things Bungo. As a disclaimer, this will be another gory episode, and I still hate Fukuchi. And I also don't like Juno. So if you want to skip this audio commentary because I know I'm going to be negative yet again, feel free to do so. See you next week for Season 5, Episode 6. On Monday, August 7, 2023, Kadokawa released the trailer for Season 5, Episode 5. There are also images online and a plot synopsis. Hat tip to Tumblr Account Nine of Scans for this information. I'll talk about those images where relevant with regard to the trailer, but let's focus mostly on just what is in the trailer. We begin the trailer with the agency reunited, even Tanazaki and Kenji, in a replica of the agency's office recreated by Edgar Allan Poe's book. We see Rompo explaining the current situation about who is Bram Stoker. Later in the trailer, we even see the imagined spot from Rompo of Bram Stoker leading the vampire army. But after Rompo explains how long it'll take the vampire army to destroy the world, Rompo reveals it won't be enough to overwhelm all militaries. So, Fukuchi will instead ask the UN to compel the Order of the Clock Tower to release to Fukuchi the super weapon known as One Order. In one of the promotional images, we see the agency is not reacting well to this news. We cut to the South Pole at the facility where One Order is kept. We see the mechanism releasing One Order and its kind of clockwork structure, which Fits given all the time references this season and the fact that it's the order of the clock tower that handles transporting one order to fukuchi but i'm not a big fan of the use of cgi for the unlocking of one order if only because i wish there was a way to better mesh it with the 2d animation lighting and coloring although i'm surprised they keep one order inside a nintendo gamecube We see that One Order is an ability weapon that allows any person to issue a command that is immediately followed by their subordinates. In other words, a way for soldiers to be free of any guilt for what they do by conscience or by law, which is not how a conscience works. Put a pin in that. If I don't get to it in this audio commentary, I'll talk about it another time when we will discuss One Order in more detail especially now that Chapter 109 of the manga has come out and we finally see what One Order actually looks like. And we will talk another time about what One Order has to do with Fukuchi's post-traumatic stress. Again, you can hear some of my thoughts about Chapter 109 in an audio-only discussion, free and public on Patreon, Substack, and wherever you get your podcasts. Next in the trailer, we get to a ton of spoilers that I wish the trailer hadn't done. Because again, it really feels like Kadokawa is marketing this anime as a way to get you to buy the manga so that you don't get spoiled. I will keep complaining about this in today's audio commentary. First spoiler, Aya is at the airport getting cornered by Juno. We get an alternate shot of this confrontation in one of the promotional images, along with another promotional image, this one of Teruko warning about what Rompo was going to do to the hunting dogs. Keep an eye on Teruko and how she just knows Rampo will intervene. This is going to be important given what we learn about her and Fukuchi. Second spoiler, Fukuchi reveals Bram Soaker to Juno. We get another image of Bram Stoker in the promotional images too. Third spoiler, Vampire Akutagawa vs Juno. We see Fukuchi commands Akutagawa to activate Rashomon to sever space itself, trapping Juno's gaseous form inside of the door. And let's add a fourth spoiler. This one from one of the promotional images. Fukuchi using his sword on fire. I would talk about the implications of all of these spoilers, including how Akutagawa's ability is able to stop Juno, and why Fukuchi has his sword on fire and how that will screw over Juno's gashes ability, but this is too much. We'll get to it when we watch the episode, but this feels like Katakawa just spoiling everything to the audience, even Juno turning on Fukuchi. Interspersed between these spoilers in the trailer, is a scene of the agency in Lucy's room. Nothing against Poe or his ability, but just given how much more color there is to Lucy's room, as well as the presence of the ticking clock, I kind of wish the anime, as well as the manga, had opted to just keep the agency's meetings in Lucy's room, rather than the needless duplication of the agency room. As we see in the manga, there are reasons for all of this. We start in the replica of the agency office to give Atushi a sense of the familiar after all the trauma he has gone through, and I get how that works in the manga. We move to Lucy's room because it's how the agency teleports back and forth to the airport. Where is Lucy here? Is she at the airport? Is she going to get vampired? But for all the ways this anime could cut corners, I'm surprised it wasn't an adaptation choice to combine all of the agency discussion scenes in one spot, that being when Achashi reunites with everyone. Maybe it is too repetitive after we had the reunion between Atsushi and agency members in Lucy's room back in episode 2 this season? Also, where the heck is Lucy? She has disappeared again in the manga. We know where Poe is. We get a bonus chapter showing he is keeping Ogaree hidden in his mansion, and yes, Poe has a mansion. So that's what's in this trailer. But what is missing from this trailer that we saw in other trailers for Season 5, and based on which chapters are likely being adapted, should appear in this week's episode. I'm kind of surprised we aren't showing the hunting dogs chasing down one order at the airport. I really thought that was going to be rushed into today's episode. But given where I think this episode will end, we must be keeping it for the subsequent episode. As I said, we see the scene of Bram Stoker controlling all those vampires, and as part of Rompo's explanation about the vampires to the agency, there was a shorter version of this scene in one of the season 5 trailers. One of the season 5 trailers also included another scene we should get in today's episode. The flashback to Juno using his ability against bank robbers. And one of the season 5 trailers showed more of the agency's meetings inside of Poe's book and Lucy's room. That takes care of the trailer stuff. Which chapters will be adapted today? And what happens in those chapters? I'm not going to go into a full plot synopsis, as it will repeat whatever I'm going to say in the audio commentary once I start watching the episode. Instead, I'll just say that the trailer for this week's episode shows content adapted from the following manga chapters. Chapter 92, At the Detective Agency New, Chapter 93, At the Portway to the Sky Part 1. And Chapter 94, Portway Part 2. Like I said, I won't summarize those chapters, because we're going to get into it when we watch this week's episode. But I do want to ask this question. Where will this episode end? If this episode stops at the end of chapter 94, then the last scene in today's episode will be Aya hiding. But if we adapt a bit more and add some of the initial stuff from chapter 95, portway part 3, Then we get a bear cliffhanger, that being Aya hiding in Bram Stoker's coffin, and Stoker not happy about this. That's going to be the only question I will ask before we get into this episode. Where will Aya be hiding, and will it be inside Stoker's coffin? Let's find out. We begin this live reaction audio commentary to the newest episode of Bungo Stray Dogs. That being episode 55 overall, season 5, episode 5, titled, At the Portway to the Sky. It is now Wednesday, August 9th, 2023. I had today's episode pulled up and paused. You can watch this episode on the Crunchyroll website, then pause the episode before it starts. I will do a countdown, so after I finish saying 3, 2, 1, unpause, You can unpause the episode and watch along with my audio commentary.
1: Everyone ready? Okay, starting the countdown. Three, two, one, unpause. In the manga, they described it as a
0: sandstorm outside. I appreciate keeping the consistency of what Poe's ability has looked like since at least the beginning of Season 4. I do wish we had seen the sandstorm. I am shocked that they cut the return of Tanizaki and Kenji. This is bizarre for at least two reasons. I'll get to that in a moment, but just looking as well at the opening title sequence, I had said before how this song, ever since Akutsugawa's death and this song being used for the credits, that this came across much more as a song of losing, of the hunting dogs and the decay of the angel finally defeating the agency. I think I would have preferred if season 5 had kept the season 4 opening. It would have kept up that sense of the agency is still in this fight. This opening instead just communicates this is not going to end well, the agency will lose, they are not going to win. There is nothing here to motivate you would think this is going to work out. But, removing the Kenshi and Tanazaki parts. Or maybe I'm wrong, and we will get their intro. But before it was that before the meeting even started, Kyoka sends Kenji and Tanizaki there and had her ability attack them. And then we're told Mori brought them back to the agency. That was a gag. They just removed a joke, and I find that weird that they cut a joke. Will they keep
1: the joke or are we going to get exposition? and we're not getting an exposition of Mori bringing them back. This is a
0: misstep. I can't believe they cut this. What a bizarre choice. It removes a joke we're going to need given how bleak everything's going to get. It removes the explanation that Mori is pretty much the only mafioso who has survived. It's instead treated as, oh, Kenji and Tanizaki are back and we're not going to explain it. If you kept it to a post-credits gag, I actually wouldn't mind that you cut it to keep this pace going. Also, where is Naomi? Like, I just find... And this part made me laugh that... Fukuzawa refers to Bram
1: Stoker by his first name, he does that in the manga too. It is so overly familiar. I would have to go back to the manga, I didn't remember everyone being spaced this far apart.
0: Odd translation when the point is just supposed to be that Europe is a powerhouse and that they have so many powerful ability users that even Fukuchi couldn't stop them. Bizarre that they kept it as three great calamities here I think it's three great catastrophes or disasters in the manga. So, funny how they will and won't call certain details calamities. I did not expect that kind of a computer voice for the releasing of one order. I am impressed that they are keeping all of the safety precautions here that are mentioned in the manga as well to check that the person getting... One Order is a government official, I'm also amused that neither the manga nor the anime identifies this person by name. This feels like another opportunity not to turn this into Greg Wiseman's
1: Spectacular Spider-Man, where you could just say this person does have a name. I'll revise what I said before, some of the CGI does look really good here for One Order's release. Some of it close up, not as much. I do wish this wasn't using the music the same way. I don't think the manga is being fairly represented here. I wish they showed
0: more hesitance in Yosano visually. In voice, they show her resistance to say this. In the manga, visually, she looked much more hesitant to say anything, and then everyone looked at Yosano with the regard of, how do you know that, Yosano? And we skipped that. Some of this is definitely, we are rushing everything, and I don't like that, and I am a broken record, constantly saying we are rushing everything. But you cut Mori, bringing back Tanizaki and Kenji, and yes, I can't believe I'm saying why did you cut Mori when it's like, you
1: cut Mori, I should be happy about that. We cut Yosano's regret and concern. no it doesn't work that
0: way especially because as they then explain later right as it was supposed to the person who developed one order were go learn was later assassinated so the idea that this frees you from
1: responsibility for a crime is not accurate I do like the small moments we get
0: at Tanazaki showing he does use his brain. It does come across as you just need someone to say the line, but I do like that Tanazaki is
1: someone who thinks, why didn't you just destroy it? I will probably bring this up at the end after the episode, but
0: I'm not a fan of how little buildup there has been to justify why the world got this paranoid to put all armies under Fukuchi's control. I'm also shocked they didn't do, because even Soul Eater did this in its final arc, why didn't you do the intercutting of everyone's panel and the agency connecting with a sound effect? It seems cheap. But as I'm saying, we're going to have to have a discussion about was there enough world building to demonstrate that of course the world would give all of its powers to George W. Bush. I mean, Fukuchi. And hi, Aya, glad to have you back. Something else I might bring up, pay attention to her remarks about her dad. It would not shock me if we find out later that her dad knew this was going to happen and on purpose sent her to the airport that was a shocking bit of good editing to cut the music and the audio there to do her flashback to kunikida and yes this does demonstrate studio bones should have adapted this ova as an actual episode and just shows a lack of foresight or collaboration Between Kodokawa, Asagiri, Studio Bones, to clarify, yeah, we need the Aya episode adapted. You're not funny, Teruko. And we will have to talk about how Teruko already knows about the Decay of the Angel and agrees to their plans. No, I am still not a fan of this song. The music in this episode and perhaps earlier seasons is bizarre. Moments that I think should have been kept quiet are instead let's put some music in to make things nice and loud. This should be a quiet moment, especially
1: because we need to be in Juno's mindset to know that he can hear Aya's heartbeat. He gave the game away Aya. I do like the lack of music here and accenting the footsteps, that
0: is appreciated. Aya here looks far more defiant than she did in the manga. The manga made her look far more scared. I don't know if that was a better choice in the manga because that can just make her look like the archetypal scared child. Oh wow, a cop abusing privilege. And, yeah, fans online pointed out Juno looks more like a vampire here, which is foreshadowing. I actually like that choice. I know people online were angry at Studio Bones for making that revision, but it actually fit here. We're going to have to get to this layer about how Juno is going to be presented here, as if he has such good accord with Tetsuo and Teruko that once he reveals what tachihara went through and what fukuchi is actually up to that juno will be able to convince the others to join his effort you know there has been nothing here showing the hunting dogs are family a toxic family at best but not even a dysfunctional family not a loving family not comrades not military colleagues who have each other's back it's just a group of fascists who hate each other i have seen no accord between any of them i barely see any of them showing trust in fukuchi
1: and now come up when on the one hand juno thinks he can convince the others but
0: we also know that the others are just law and order people who will follow military orders and then I apologize, I'm just going to be ranting for a bit. I do wish they had slowed this down because Fuguchi looks at Juno like, wait, you sympathize with the agency and we don't pause that moment to let it sit that Juno just admitted that he already agrees more with the agency and hence lean to my rant. I don't get how Fuguchi's thought process operated. He brings in Juno thinking I will be able to convince him to join the Decay of the Angel. Fuguchi says, I recruit Juno from the beginning to have him join the Decay of the Angel. If that was the case, how did he realize that Juno has no loyalty to anyone, and just wants to kill and hurt people? Why
1: would he think Juno would ever join the Decay? And yes, I will keep asking, where is Lucy? Huh, I hadn't considered
0: that that, yeah, that airplane didn't look like a passenger airplane rather than a military one. Okay, this is from the trailer as well with Ongo coordinating with the agency already.
1: Or, I guess that was an imagined spot that Ongo will contact the military. Which,
0: maybe I'll get to this later, if not another time. I don't like that they say that Ongo's going to need a week or two to convince government officials. Except they don't even say it that way in the manga. They say Ango will start talking to them in two weeks. It's like, no, talk to them now. Alert them
1: now. Why Ongo doesn't go on TV and just says, is controlling the vampire army, get him. This is going to be presented
0: as Juno did the right thing because he saved these hostages. We're not going to have a moment of debate that Juno went over the line, there was no need to kill these people. It's just treated as he protected lives, even though he wasn't doing it to protect lives, he was doing it to kill people. The revelation of Juno's ability is also bizarre, because I guess you should have figured it out from when he infiltrated the agency's car. In the manga as well as the anime, it's just glossed over as, yeah,
1: that's his ability. You should have figured out from the beginning it was gaseous. I do like the switch between,
0: here's what Fuguchi says, he imagines this is what the agency must be saying at the same time, then it'll cut to Fuguchi saying, at least that's what the agency is probably saying. I feel badly for Bram Stoker, I hope he doesn't die, given that Aya either reminds him of his wife or daughter, and given that Aya may be freeing Bram Stoker. If he dies, I don't think it's going to be in this way. I think Bram will get all of his appendages back. I will keep repeating this gag. I don't know who's going to take down Fukuchi because there is a long line that wants to do the airplane scene of everyone just slapping him. Who will deliver the final blow, if not to kill Fukuchi, then to defeat him? Who knows?
1: And prepare for more time travel bullshit and more meme whining. It is ridiculous that there was no
0: reason to kill these bank robbers. Why a police officer could not just arrest them, I don't know. It would be so nice if this was the end of Fuguchi, but again, time travel bullshit. Oh, and of course if you just put your hand there,
1: that stops the blood. This is what you're going to treat as the joke.
0: That moment you made into comedy. That moment. You cut other guys, who made that into a joke. What the heck? Making Juno into a Jesus figure. You really did not need to do the time traveling like this. We get the it, time travel. You can
1: stop. Just get to the point. and prepare for more complaining from me this should be a moment to say oh fukuchi
0: is showing intelligence yeah don't even bother techo isn't going to believe you because we already see that he hates you stop explaining this and just escape while you can teruko already knows spoiler that fukuchi is kamui and what the decay of the angel is doing this should be a good scene. This should be a scene saying, oh, Fuguchi is really smart, he prepared for all of
1: these inevitabilities, because even without time travel, but it is so ridiculous that Fuguchi was like, I recruited
0: you from the beginning, knowing that I could get you in the Decay of the Angel, and then that didn't work, so of course he already had the two contingency plans. Plan 1, having Akutagawa. Plan 2, the stupid fire swords. Also, it would have been nice if we had animated him pouring the alcohol on and then lighting it. There are so
1: many cheap shortcuts taken in some of these episodes. stop explaining
0: and just get on with it, even how swiftly this is presented as just Fuguchi wins, not even because he is a brutal fighter, the only good animation we get is Akutsugawa as a vampire. It's just disappointing the pacing that again, everything is treated as Fuguchi's gonna win, it's inevitability just sit through it and deal with it. And the fact that Juno thinks he's going to win when there is zero indication just based on the story as the evidence is presented. It's instead treated as, Fuguchi has to lose because this is literature. The thought process of,
1: this is how Aya will undermine the Decay of the Angel, should work. There's so many little tricks they should have done. It should
0: have been Juno followed fukuchi to where he was hiding Bram, and that's how he knew Tachihara died. I almost wish we had had Juno knew all of this before he notified Aya, because the assumption that
1: he as well had a contingency plan is too much. I believe in the manga, it was multiple sheets of paper, not just
0: the one he handed to Aya, so... the fact that Aya
1: just followed along, and that's all we get for an explanation. The fact that Aya
0: is the only thing I'm liking about this episode, between the fact that this is a child who is going to defeat this kind of patriarchy, and she makes this kind of a silly mistake with the flash right there and the acting and the animation and the character design that was actually good having Fuguchi's slow turn it's weird how they saved the budget for certain moments of suspense but not that one he swings his sword and then it does nothing instead he leaps through I guess that The sword swing was him
1: revealing it, and now you stab it like Bradley stabbing Alphonse. The mapping is from the manga, but is such a lazy adaptation choice. I do like Aya has shown she is practically Kunikita's
0: kid, and that's not to ignore her own validity, but just that she is that smart to figure out, make this noise to hide here, go over here to hide there, no wonder Kunikita was the one to protect her, and no wonder she wants to learn from him. So, we already revealed she knows to hide inside Bram's coffin and now it's just a question
1: of, as I asked before, will we show that's where she hits? I'm not a fan that they kept it that way to say, tune in next time
0: to know how she hits. And it took this long to finally get an ending title sequence when Akutagawa's already gone. I can't tell if this is new animation, the Fukuzawa one doesn't look new. The fact that we're using... yeah, we're using how the agency looked when they were already on the run, so this does seem to be reused animation. And some... yeah, the Tachihara's reuse. I'm sure someone online will analyze all of these flowers and colors and what they
1: mean. I'm shrugging because color blindness can't really tell very easily. Maybe we'll get a post-credits sequence but I doubt it. I would
0: just to show that's where I is hiding. This is how Tanazaki and Kenji were brought back thanks to of all people, that awful man, Mori. This song should be a rallying cry. With Aya escaping, I guess it is, but they use that at other times this season where, no, this isn't a rallying cry. And no, you can't get me to believe that Akutagawa was saved by Dazai. I have taken a step away from the episodes to think about how well it adapted the chapters this episode didn't give me as passionate a reaction as previous ones if only because i spent previous audio commentaries complaining about adaptation choices the story itself even now the original manga details that either didn't make sense or more likely were just me thinking this character was acting foolish when yes that is the point this character is making a foolish decision I do wish this episode gave me some bigger reaction, though. This is the return of Aya. The stuff coming up with her is going to be funny and thrilling and actually sue character decisions. But there are so many other characters acting illogically, and so many baffling exclusions and additions from the manga in adaptation, that I feel like the weight of what Aya is accomplishing is overwhelmed by just how overpowered Fukuchi is, how Juno had zero chance, how the story keeps insisting that the hunting dogs have this camaraderie that just has not been shown, or at least has not been shown in a way that I think is a legitimate regard for each other, and it's just so much hatred for each other that I don't get why Juno thought he could convince Teruko and Tetsuo, and why Fukuchi trusted Juno. As I even gained into the mixed message that somehow Fukuchi trusted Juno, but not enough to not also bring in Kutagawa and a sword on fire. But we'll get to that. Let's go in order of events in this episode and their corresponding moments in the manga, cutting Tanazaki, Kenji, and Kunikida. In the manga, we begin with Atushi returning to the agency, only to reveal his inside Poe's book. Like I said in the audio commentary, I appreciate the visual cohesion that outside the office looks like how Poe's book has been shown since the Oguri episode at the beginning of season four. The manga had Atushi referred to outside the office windows as looking like a sandstorm. I don't think being faithful to that imagery in the anime would have been as visually dynamic and a sufficient shorthand for the audience to speed through this, so this is an adaptation choice I like, even if I would have been interested to see how the anime would have adapted this sandstorm. As I said in the audio commentary, having Rompo reveal Tanizaki and Kenji are back is a poor choice. I can't believe, given how much I despise Mori, that I'm the one having to say that cutting that explanation is a mistake. I should not have to say, this episode needed Mori, and yet here I am saying this episode needed Mori. I don't know why the manga included Mori braining Tanazaki and Kenji. Before this episode, I assumed it was to establish three details. One, Mori is planning ahead. Two, The Mafia is in such dire straits after Akutagawa's attack that Mori is one of the few in the Mafia not yet turned into a vampire and he is that desperate to get the agency back together to save his own butt. And three, the story has to remind you that Mori intends to collect on Fukuzawa's promise to take one of the agency members. And this moment in the manga is to remind us that Mori could end up taking Yosano as he wants or may have to sell for tanazaki or even kenji but now after watching this episode and the fact that the anime didn't adapt this scene i'm not saying that this is fruit that fukuzawa's debt will not be collected but it is an odd choice not to remind the audience so there is potential that the exclusion of this scene is a way to get the audience to forget the debts. that mori will just let the agency keep yosano especially if Fukuzawa ends up dying in the manga, or that Studio Bones made an exclusion that is going to bite them later when they realize they should have included this scene similar to how they should have adapted the Aya story into the anime proper and not as an OVA, but we'll get to Aya in a moment. And after I figured out that maybe this means Mori won't get an agency member, it turns out that Tumblr account E. Laura Lee had a similar conclusion, albeit in a different direction, that Mori's debt collection won't happen because the vampire stuff is going to make the Mafia too weak to collect on its debts. But if I may push against that idea, the fact that the Mafia has now lost members, maybe even Akutagawa and Shuya, would make Mori all the more adamant at getting one of the agency members. But back to the gags getting cut. It is a cheap way to bring back Tanazaki and Kenji, they're just back, move on. It robs them of their own adventure, which, granted, isn't much of an adventure. In the manga, Kenji says he and Tanazaki were found by the mafia and brought to a village safe house. That is also cheap and lazy that Kenji and Tanizaki separated when last we saw them, then we're given exposition to learn that they were reunited by the Mafia and put into the same safe house instead of the two being put into separate locations to better hide them. But whatever. By not showing Tanizaki and Kenji's return, we also get rid of a gag of Kiyoka sensing the two are back in the office, and using demon snow to attack them it is bizarre when and where studio bones decides to put in jokes i had a comment to a previous audio commentary point out how we should get more of the aya and bram gags coming up yet i wonder why these other gags are removed and other moments are milked for comedy when it's not that funny such as Teruko's reactions to Fukuchi, or whatever the heck that supposed joke was making Juno into Jesus. What the heck was that trash? It's not that the Tazaki and Kenji and Kiyoka gag was that funny. If anything, it makes Kiyoka unlikable how quickly she is willing to almost kill her teammates. It's one thing for Kiyoka to threaten Oguri, It's another for her to do that to agency members. Speaking of cut gags, I neglected to bring up in the audio commentary how the episode cuts Kunikida's gag. The anime keeps some of this where we had the close-up on Kunikida's hands to show they were restored by Yosano. That's not a bad moment as it is letting the visuals inform what should be obvious to the audience without anyone needing to say it aloud verbally. But when Atushi reunites with everyone and is about to cry, in the manga, Kunikita tells him there is no time for crying before he admits he already cried for two hours. Again, not the funniest gag, but I would have liked to not rush everything and to remind ourselves that Kunikita puts up a front, that Kunikita is a hypocrite, that Atushi is legitimately touched, to be back with his family the pacing therefore continues to be so rushed this season that these small moments don't get to breathe and i guess that's as good a moment to go on a diatribe kaka asagiri strikes me as a writer better suited to written or spoken words than to manga or anime adaptation I would like to say that, if we moved from a light novel directly to an anime, most problems in annotation would be less annoying, as we wouldn't be comparing one visual medium to another visual medium, a manga to an anime, and debating which did it better, because the manga seems to keep being better if only because the pace has greater control by the reader and there is less content cut. I would like to say all of that, but then I remember how the Chuya F15 light novel was so badly adapted for the anime that now there is a manga that is doing a better job of adapting it. But I think that does bolster my point. Moving from one visual medium to another is making it difficult to enjoy an anime that insists on rushing whereas adapting from a light novel to an anime means the debate is limited to just cut moments but not cut feelings or messages whereas i think the anime cuts so much from the manga that not only cuts moments but also cuts what you are to feel and what message you are to get we lost kunikida's sensitivity and hypocrisy we lost the plot with mori and tadazaki and kenji These adaptation choices are getting in the way of what the story is trying to say, and that makes this a flawed adaptation. Anyway, back to the episode, skipping ahead, I brought up in the audio commentary how they condensed so much of Yosano's hesitancy to speak up about her experiences in the war. I think Yu Shimamura in the Japanese dub communicated that hesitancy. I don't think the animation and the facial expression did. And I think the failure by the anime to adapt Atushi and Tanazaki's surprise at Yosano's explanation didn't help. We needed to see that this was tough for Yosano. And to see surprised by Atushi as to how Yosano knew this. And surprised by Tanazaki who, having heard Yosano discuss her time in the war, knew how hard this is for her to talk about i understand the counter argument that it's like kunikita showing his hands are restored maybe you don't need to see it to know what happened but i think not showing the reactions from other agency members they also put emphasis on how important this moment was for yosano to speak up and if the anime sticks pretty close to the manga It's one of the few moments we're going to get in the next few episodes that show any interiority in Yosano. It's a silly exclusion that undermines what should be a more emotional moment, a victory for Yosano to speak up. Before we get to why the hunting dogs are not working for me, I want to talk about audio. I bring this up in the audio commentary, how some moments did not need the soundtrack. I brought it up with how... You really should have had no music going with Juno, so that we get into his mind to understand he is already listening to Aya's heartbeat this entire time. Heck, don't use any music, but have a slight beat that you can barely hear so that when we pull back to reveal Aya was listening in, we get it. Instead, we get that awful hunting dogs theme, which does not reinforce the tension in their discussion about capturing the agency members. That being said, I did think the sound editing was much better when the news broadcast cut out when we did the flashback to Aya remembering her first meeting with Kunikita. And on the topic of music, if I may go out of order in my reactions, the Season 5 theme is not working for me. This song and its visuals do not sound like a rallying cry for the agency to win. It sounds like a song announcing the agency has already lost. I had to look at a translation of the Japanese lyrics for the season 5 song, "Tessu no Ori by Graham Rodeo. The song starts off literally talking about optimism, but as the song continues, it is more and more about how you are stuck in a prison you can't escape, Yet by stopping and sitting and waiting, you will see new places you never saw before, but then you are still locked in the cage, so you can never get to those places. This is not a compelling message. It doesn't even seem like a message about Dazai in prison. It's a song that, to me anyway, paired with this season, announces utter defeat. It doesn't galvanize me to get behind the agency. It's torture porn to see how much worse things get for the agency. For these reasons, I really wish we hadn't swapped to this new song and instead stuck to the previous opening. If seasons 4 and 5 were produced back to back without much of a break, I really don't see any story-based reason to switch the openings out. I almost want to go back to these episodes, edit out the season 5 opening, put in the season 4 opening, and see whether I enjoy the episodes more, because I do think the season 4 opening bolsters your confidence that the agency can win this, and it actually fits better given that... Gogol is still around, Bram Stoker and Aya are in the season 4 opening. You could still edit around certain scenes to reanimate some to add or remove Gogol and Sigma as they disappear from the story. Replace Fukuchi versus Akutagawa and Atushi with another battle. But that would require more money. And this ignores the realities of music contracts that necessitate swapping out opening songs to get the other bands their presence. As for the season 4 lyrics, they're generic enough about crafting your own story that yeah, that could fit in almost any season. Honestly though, if this season 4 song, True Story by Scream Mode, was to Bungo Stray Dogs what we are is to one piece i take it remix this song every couple of seasons not like Bungo will ever last as long as one piece granted and make that the song we always associate with the series not this gloomy defeatist mess that is tetsu no ori that takes care of the music let's talk about the hunting dogs now I brought this up last time with Tachihara saying, rather than showing, that he would have been happy sticking with the hunting dogs. I have seen zero indication from this story in the anime or even in the manga why. I get that not every family structure sticks to the same format, or that it is at all healthy to refer to your work or your military as a family, that shit is toxic but this is literature if you want to indicate how hard it was for tachihara to separate himself from the hunting dogs to turn on fukuchi you need to show us some reason to believe that if this is to appeal to veterans and i'm not a veteran no one in my immediate family served then maybe this works enough for an audience that sees tachihara as a military person and just accepts that this is difficult for him. However, when you are writing to a wider audience, I think the story should make the point intelligible for people who won't get it. Or, if you are asking the audience to stretch and try to be smarter and learn something, you still need to offer a hand to get them closer to where you want them to go. This should be so easy to do with the hunting dogs. Give us a reason to care about them. This is a series that made the Mafia sympathetic, when we saw how far Higuchi and Hirutsu were willing to go to protect the Kutagawa back in Season 1. This is a series that gave sympathetic motivations for Fitzgerald, Lucy, Poe, even Steinbeck. And yet, the hunting dogs don't get that treatment. Okay, that could still work. Maybe it's to indicate that the hunting dogs are fascists, that Rompo already referred to Fuguchi's dreams of controlling the world as like the goal of an immature person, because at the heart of every fascist is an immature brat who, when they can't get their way, seek to exert their control onto other people without consent. But then we have a mixed message did Tachihara find something better than his abusive family in the hunting dogs? No, we learn he is Port Mafia all the way. Then why did that episode say that Tachihara would have been fine sticking with the hunting dogs if not for Fukuchi? Is this to show a future denied to Tachihara because of Fukuchi? Or Tachihara being delusional? Also, we just glide on by how no one was worried about tachihara he's dead no one knows this no one really asks about it i get that tachihara is supposed to stay in mafia undercover but that they don't keep tabs on him to this extent that fukuchi could just kill him is a joke and to clarify as of chapter 109 we still don't know where Vampire Tachihara has gone. I think the anime wants you to like the hunting dogs, given their silly antics and the song that, for reasons that still elude me, has its fans. The story introduces the hunting dogs as they introduce the agency at the end of episode 1, and the story wants the hunting dogs to have a goofy dynamic similar to the mafia and the guild and it just doesn't work. They don't like each other. They bicker. For a united military force in coordination by a supposed expert like Fuguchi, they don't seem very united. This isn't like the Avengers where you're cheering on this band of misfits to come together in united cause for a larger ideal. They just suck. This episode has them arguing over Aya, with Techo and Juno ready to kill each other before Fukuchi interrupts. And yet Juno really thinks during his initial escape that he will be able to convince Techo and Teruko to turn against Fukuchi. And there was no way Juno was going to convince Techo and Teruko. Let's talk about that, so spoilers for the next few episodes. We will see Techo versus Kenji soon. That is when Techo learned something not to defy Fukuchi, so much as facing a worthy opponent in Kenji. Juno has not been able to convince Techo at all. It took a fight against Kenji to make Techo stand down. Techo is a soldier loyal to Fukuchi. He would never betray him. So even if Juno revealed what we learned about Fukuchi, I don't see Techo falling for it. And that's not even getting into how ridiculous it is that Fuguchi recruited Juno to join the hunting dogs with the goal of recruiting Juno into the Decay of the Angel, when he should have known a criminal like Juno bucks against any authority and would not be willing to join a fascist, especially when Juno is here just for praise and the chance to kill people. I think it was my friend Alec Roach who referred to Juno as similar to Kimblee from Full Metal Alchemist. I resisted that comparison, but... Yeah, Alec was right. Juno is someone who will serve for anyone so long as he gets to hurt people. It makes Fukuchi look silly. I get it, Fukuchi still took the precautions of Vampire Akutagawa and the Sword on Fire but he brought in the same guy who ends up bringing in Aya. Fukuchi is not smart. He is dumb. His decisions of bringing Juno was not him misreading Juno. It was just dumb. This was not Fukuchi seeing Juno, seeing another person who tortures, realizes that they share previous lines of work, and somehow Fukuchi thought torture made himself a bad guy, so he wanted to stop it so Juno must also want to stop it no this is just dumb if Fuguchi was as smart as the story keeps acting like he is with all his pre planning and time travel bullshit he will realize Juno may torture people but that didn't make Juno recoil in disgust as it did to Fuguchi Juno just likes hurting people so that is why Fuguchi was never going to get Juno to agree with his plan, and why Juno was never going to convince show. What about Teruko? This is going to make me enraged when we get to it in the anime, but it is silly how the manga later reveals that right after Tachihara witnessed the vampire attack, but before Tachihara reported it to Fuguchi, that Fuguchi had already told Teruko he was Kamui, and successfully recruited her into the Decay of the Angel. At this point, as of Chapter 109 of the manga, all we know is that Fukuchi told something to Teruko that so unnerved her that she absolutely agreed to his plan. And then Teruko explains this to Atushi. And Atushi, who has been wrestling with this dilemma the entire arc, finally admits that Fuguchi's plan may be correct. We still don't hear what Fuguchi told Teruko and what Teruko told Atushi. We don't know what secret Fuguchi reveals. Maybe it's that this is a fictional world. Maybe it's that the government did something even worse that hasn't been revealed yet. Whatever it is, it does not justify what we have seen in this story and it's a cheap, lazy way to get out of forcing the audience to face that moral quandary with Atushi. Atushi is our audience surrogate, who is new to all of these experiences. If he learns this secret and we don't, why should we sympathize with his inner turmoil? Just level with us. Show us what Fuguchi knows, convince us that he may be correct so that we are forced to grapple with that uncomfortable question so we can steel ourselves against this fascism and say no, Fuguchi is still wrong, not only in methods but in goals, and that there is a better solution. But that would require the story to hurry up with that point already rather than delaying it. And speaking of pacing, Yeah, as much as I want the story to get to that point about Fuguchi's secret, I also am not happy with the pacing and animation shortcuts or just cut content. We already discussed the stuff cut from the agency stuff. Let's talk about what has been cut from the Juno stuff. And I think this is such a boring way to animate and stylize time travel. If we're going to be cursed with this ridiculous power can we do something more interesting visually than it was just a vhs tape rewinding in black and white i'm not an animator so my reviews of animation are as someone who thinks about ideal alternatives not realistic solutions i can appreciate that with whatever budget they have to make an anime that more and more seems like a commercial for buying the manga, that Bones is sticking to only what they need to in an episode and no more. And it's not as if all the animation was bad in this episode. I appreciate how fluid and detailed was Akutagawa biting Juno. That being said, the flashback to Atushi remembering Fukuchi's remarks, although also in the manga, sticks out as during the juno fight the anime does not show fuguchi lighting up his sword which again also the problem in the manga too the refusal to actually show a movement seems like a cheap choice i don't know whether showing the motion would distract from the flaws in the story but becomes more obvious when the story also has its problems This problem is compounded when we don't see Fuguchi looking back with concern when Juno admits that the agency's sadism appeals to him. It is almost like that was cut not only to save on time and to keep up a pace to make the second half of this episode a Juno and Aya episode, but also is cut so that we don't have to explain later that Fuguchi really should have seen it coming that Juno was going to betray him. Juno was holding a neon sign screaming, I'm here just to torture people, I'm not here for fascism, I hate authority telling me what to do, if you reveal that you are Kamui, I will not join you, I'll instead just torture you. Juno is such a fan of torture, that he knows torturing a fascist would not only get him a new target to torture, but also make him famous as the guy who killed the fascist. And speaking of that fascist, I don't want to get too much into One Order right now, but I do want to talk about its relationship to Fukuchi's ability. Fukuchi's ability is called Lion Dance. It gets its name from a kabuki play written by the real Fukuchi, about a servant girl who, during a ritual dance, is possessed by the spirit of a lion. She struggles, but ultimately, the beast takes control of her and her actions. On the one hand, this should parallel Atushi. But not quite. Honestly, this almost seems like a way to associate his ability with one order. Think about it. Fukuchi's ability just makes any weapon he holds more powerful. That doesn't really have much to do with the plot of the lion dance play but someone controlling another person's will that has more to do with the fictional fukuchi's obsession with control that reaches the logical end point with him in possession of one order and because i want to repeat something i said last time just to reinforce it for myself I do appreciate the anime has set up oda and fukuchi as parallels to each other oda can see into the future and undo what may happen but he is not about exerting control over everyone's life there is a reason he was the one in that jail cell telling fukuzawa that fukuchi will not stop at justice he will just keep killing so Excellent adaptation choice by Studio Bones to have Fukuchi right there with his time travel bullshit as this kid Oda, with his own time travel, calls out that fucking fascist to a smirking shit face. I shouldn't wrap up with my final thoughts on the episode, but just two more points. First, I wish this story was making it more believable that the UM would surrender this much power to just Fukuchi. We have been told just a bit about how bad the Great War was in this story, but I don't see how that leads the UN to suddenly give one person, Fukuchi, direct command over all militaries. The plot-based reason is so that Fukuchi will be able to use one order to control all militaries, hence ramping up the stakes. Sidebar, and something we'll have to talk about another time, I was looking into H.G. Wells, and I can't confirm this quotation is accurate, seeing as I was only looking at Wikipedia, and someone really needs to edit that page to mention the light novel 55 minutes, but there is a quotation attributed to Wells, that when you are trying to make a story, you introduce one fantasy or sci-fi element at a time, not all at once. I think that's fair. I still had Nimona on my mind, and that story made sure to introduce just the backstory first before getting to, hey, look, a changeling. Maybe JoJo's Bizarre Adventure doesn't match my case, but it took its time moving from vampire to stands to everything else. I hate the grounded-in-reality approach that starred the MCU and the Arrowverse. But I can't ignore that both got to their inevitabilities, that being to get to the wackier sci-fi and fancy stuff, by taking their time. Right now though, with Bungo Stray Dogs, yeah, the UN meeting that just info dumps that Fugici fought werewolves and vampires and so on, is too much. We needed to build that up. We did with Bram Stoker's arrival. The light novel 55 Minutes did that to introduce time travel before we got to Fukuchi's time travel, and give me a moment, we will talk about 55 Minutes again at the end of today's discussion. But to get back to my points, I just don't find it believable that the UN would surrender so much power to Fukuchi because the story has not done enough to make us think this chaos is global rather than only isolated to Yokohama. Because up to now, every single story has been so Yokohama-centric that it is hard to think that things are this bad. And that is silly for me to say. The Rabond stuff from the Chuya Light novel started in Europe. Sigma's coins are blowing up the world. Dead Apple started with global ability problems. And yet, we haven't seen that firsthand through any of our main characters atushi or Akutagawa, adapting fifty-five minutes first would have helped, as it has atushi and Akutagawa stuck on standard highland, hence outside of Yokohama, having to solve a problem. But we would need more. We would need this to be like My Hero Academia or a certain Magical Index, where eventually our heroes are in other nations and see just how screwed up everything else is. So that we get the point that this chaos is not fixated just where they live, but in other nations. And by not showing that chaos abroad, I don't believe the U.N. would just surrender all power to Fukuchi. I get it, it's silly to act like any of this is unrealistic. When we already saw the United States Congress surrender powers to the White House in the face of terrorism, and how that has been redeployed in fiction, such as Star Wars Episode 3. But I said believable, not realistic. It is realistic. It is not believable, when the story is not getting me to believe this is happening, when we get just one scene of Sigma's coins exploding, and some opening images in Dead Apple. It is a bit much to get how the UN could just surrender all militaries to be under the command of Fukuchi due to the agency assassinating government officials in Japan. Not to sound morbid, but that was a handful of officials in Japan, leaping from just the agency to now an entire global military presence? Again, realistic, given what that schmuck W did after 9-11, but not believable. If the agency was then causing problems in other nations, I could buy the UN moving to an international response. Heck, you have Poe and Lucy collaborating with the agency. That's enough to have the story show that this is not just the agency in Japan, but people from America doing this. It is now at the level of an international situation that would lead to the UN's response. I should not have to make these points to make this story better. The content is already there. It just needs better adaptation choices to make it more apparent. Some of this depends on more world building. Or perhaps showing that by this point, so much harm has happened around the world that the UN is in a state of panic and rushes to this silly decision to hand all military authority to Fukuchi. As I said before, we couldn't have had four seasons of Fuguchi as well as a film. There is no shortage of global outrages. We saw that in Dead Apple. I'm just asking for a bit more detail to make this more believable. Show us a world where there is so much chaos that, of course, feckless politicians would surrender power to some good old boy. I know we had the coins exploding. And yet, this still doesn't feel like enough to really ramp up people's fears. That should make sense when Yosano is young enough to remember the previous war. But we in the story haven't seen how bad that war went globally. We're told about it, we're told by Fukuzawa how much the war led to so many orphans and fears of abilities and needing permits to use an ability. But I want that last push. Something to show that the problem is not just within Yokohama, but global. Show more of this world so we get why everyone is in a panic. Instead, we wait now to say Fukuchi stopped all these coups and werewolves and vampires, and we never saw them. And Fuguchi has the page of the book to rewrite reality, and Fuguchi can time travel. For this being such a chaotic world where of course the U.N. would surrender power to Fukuchi, we really haven't seen much of that chaotic world. I guess I'm saying My Hero Academia got to show more of the world outside Japan in the films to make us accept why no heroes come to rescue Japan. I want to see Atushi and others leaving Japan to face a world in chaos so that we get why the U.N. is so afraid. It's almost like a dad thing 55 minutes into a light novel would have helped. And that leads to the last point I want to make after watching today's episode. The pace is so swift, and we are so close to getting to where the manga is right now, that I don't know what will happen. I repeat, spoiler warning here for chapter 109. Will the pace slow down to have the cliffhanger for the season 5 finale? B, Fukuchi has killed Fukuzawa, and we don't adapt further to show Atushi pulled apart by Akutsugawa, and Chuya killing Dazai. Or, is there another option for Studio Bones? I think there is. And it may be that this season ends with a light novel adaptation. I know my fixation on light novel has been Weird all season, as I haven't liked their inclusion in the anime in some parts. But given how now the world building is taking a back seat, and I don't see Bones catching up to the manga without pissing off some audience members, I think ending early and transitioning to a light novel maybe how the season wraps up. Could it be That would get in some Chuya who has been missing a lot of this season. It would explain the experimentations the Hunting Dog members go through. It will more obviously bring in Ongo and Agatha Christie for whatever roles they will play if and when the government has enough of Fukuchi shit. Or, as I keep repeating, could it be 55 minutes? That would backfill the Akutagawa and Atsushi rivalry, And it would present the history of Standard Island and the war and Mary Shelley and the shell weapon, which appear in Stormbrainer. Let me conclude with what to expect next time. Season 5, episode 6, episode 56 overall is At the Port in the Sky, part 2. I had thought today's episode would adapt the first part of chapter 95, At the Portway to the Sky, part 3. And show Aya hiding in Bram's coffin. We are instead saving that for episode 56 in chapter 95 after fukuchi fails to locate aya kunikita sets off an explosion at the airport to get the aura of the clock tower to turn around and bring one order back to the south pole but feodor has done something to kill the plane crew remotely the hunting dogs race down the airway and fukuchi seizes one order We saw some of the Hunting Dog's race and Fuguchi's capture of One Order in a season 5 trailer. Maybe all of just chapter 95 could take up an entire episode. More likely it'll take up the first half of the episode, with the second half adapting chapter 96 at the portway to the sky part 4, with Fuguchi realizing he can't open One Order, and we get a flashback to Ongo getting one order sealed. Then we cut to the prison, Merceau. I saw a fan online wondering whether we'll cut the prison food fight between Dazai and Theodore. Anyway, this should begin the prison duel between Dazai and Theodore and Gogol and Sigma's return. That opens the question. How much Bram and Aya will we get in the next episode? given how much there already is to rush through with Fuguchi getting One Order and the Prison Duel starting. Will this episode end with Aya kidnapping Bram? Or will we rush and also adapt Chapters 97 and 98 at the Port Way to the Sky Parts 5 and 6 to show Aya's family background, more of the Prison Duel, the epic scene of Bram learning about streaming music, Kenji protecting Aya, and Shuya entering the prison duel. We'll find out next week. I'll wrap up there. Thank you so much for listening to this audio commentary. I really don't like Juno. Do you like him? Do you think I got it wrong about the hunting dogs and how they aren't here to be any sympathetic family? Or is this just their antagonist you love to hate? Let me know your thoughts in the comment section, or email me, derrick.s.mcgrath at gmail.com. If you have enjoyed this commentary, please consider contributing at coffee.com slash Derek S. McGrath or patreon.com slash Derek S. McGrath. Special thanks to Alec Roach, Emily Lauer, and Alexis Duran. Next week, I'll record audio commentary for Season 5, Episode 6, Episode 56 overall of Boongo Stray Dogs, titled at the port in the sky part two
1: until then i've been derek s McGrath. you have a good day bye